Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1072, air date June 10th, 2022. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. It's Friday evening. It's a little bit after seven. And um, I want to try to always squeeze in um, a video on science or some other topic in system science. So today we're going to be having a discussion about uh, fish consumption and skin cancer. It's a paper that uh, just came out. It was a very long longitudinal study. And I'll talk about that. Longitudinal study means they do a study over a long period of time. And um, the study was actually uh, shared on the New York Times today, you know, but in my view, it was done in a very clickbaiting style because the New York Times claims that they're like this very deep, insightful newspaper. Um, and the article really focused on this, you know, reasonably interesting study that was done. And it did ask it in a question, and I'll show you the article headline, but it didn't really educate the reader that there's a fundamental difference between causation and correlation or correlation and causation. So I thought we'd use this very interesting opportunity because it's a very interesting correlation that they're finding between people who consume fish. And we're going to talk about this. Interesting enough, it's non-fried fish and its relationship to people who get skin melanoma, malignant me melanoma. And um, so that's what we're going to be talking about. And um, what I, uh, by the way, we have people logging in. Uh, namaste to you. We have people coming in from Guam. Wow, it's 9.21 a.m. there. Nice to have you. Um, so what I wanted to do in this discussion was to really, again, we take a systems approach and everyone knows to everything that we do at VA Shiva. We don't want to um, educate people um, in just one reductionist way. We want actually to expand people's consciousness to learn really how to think. And that's a much more challenging task because we're not here to just give sound bites. We're here to actually uh, educate you so you can actually see, um, find the truth for yourself. And truth is a process that occurs. And we're going to talk a little bit about the scientific process also so we understand that. Um, but in this process, we find out that there's a fundamental difference, as the title slide says, between correlation and causation. So hopefully, uh, by the end of this uh, discussion, um, all of you will have an understanding about fish consumption and, and the study that came out on cancer. But more interesting, what I'm hoping is um, we'll also have a discussion on uh, a deeper understanding of uh, causation versus correlation. It's very nice to have all of you here. Uh, people from all over the world are joining in, um, different time zones, uh, different parts of the world. Nice to have you. So uh, interesting. Okay. So the way I want to proceed with this discussion is first of all, all of you who are new or know about us, go to vashiva.com slash join because we've put together a global pr educational program for everyone to join an educational program. It's a movement, an educational movement to understand system science, and it's also a community we're building. So go to vashiva.com slash join and you'll find there's a system science course we put together, but it's more than that. Before you're done, I'll, I'll share that with you. The other feature that I want to share here is that everything we do, 
And when we've simplified it into this little diagram, it's a very powerful diagram. It's no different than, let's say, the relation between mass and energy and the speed of light or voltage, um, you know, current and resistance or force, uh, mass and acceleration. But here we're talking about truth, freedom and health. And this is one of the things we teach in our system science course. But how we approach the world, you can understand it within the features of the movement of information, matter and energy, freedom, the conversion of information, matter and energy, which is really in the scientific method, how truth has come to and sort of the infrastructure aspects health. So we use that approach. So in this discussion, we use that approach to actually look at the knowledge uh, from a systems approach. OK, so let's go to this. And um, this is um, the agenda that we're going to go through today. We're going to cover um, the paper that came out about fish consumption and melanoma and skin cancer. But we're going to look at it from the context of the science and the truth. We'll come to this. Um, in some ways, how the New York Times sort of tries to push a narrative, and they should know better because they claim they know better than everyone else. You know, they know better um, than you. Um, and then we're going to look at the health possibilities, you know, what, what that involves and the mechanism. So we'll come back to that in a little more detail. But as I said, one of the reasons that I'm doing this discussion is to really engage people or inspire people to learn to think. Because right when you read these scientific papers or a headline, you think the truth is sort of done um, and said for because the New York Times says it, right? Uh, but we want to learn how to think. And the way we learn how to think is learning not what to think, okay? The educational systems are pushing what to think, but we really want to um, learn how to think. And the science of systems affords us the opportunity to do that through this process of truth, freedom, and health. Um, before I start, I, I always like to share with you my own personal journey to the systems, and then we'll come back and go deep into the uh, scientific analysis here. Let me just play all of you this uh, quick video. Welcome to VA Shiva. VA Shiva is a product of my journey across East and West, science and tradition, ancient and modern, that brings you the science of systems so you can become a force for truth, freedom, health. VA Shiva is a platform of revolutionary education, community building, and weaponry for unleashing local activism. My journey to VA Shiva begins in the chaos of Bombay, where I experienced diverse religions, languages, castes, and in a small village that had no running water, no electricity, where my grandmother, a poor village farmer, practiced Siddha, an ancient system of Indian medicine over 10,000 years old. She observed one's face, the art of Samudrika Lakshanam, to understand a body's unique constitution, allowing her to deliver the right medicine for the right person at the right time. Watching my grandmother heal others, I was inspired to study medicine, but I was also aware of the corrupt caste system of India, which denigrated a human being, where my family were considered low caste untouchables, where one's birth determined one's destiny. The grit and determination of my mother and father led them to get educated and to come to America, a one in a trillion event. Their actions inspired me to work hard and excel. While in ninth grade, I attended New York University in a computer science program, and subsequently at the age of 14, was given a full-time job as a research fellow at what is now known as Rutgers Medical School in the heart of Newark, New Jersey. There I investigated the system of sleep using mathematics, computer science, and biology for sudden infant death syndrome. It was there in Newark where I invented email when I was the first to convert every feature of the physical, 
paper-based inner office mail system including inbox, outbox, memo, carbon copy, blind carbon copy, attachments into its electronic equivalent, a system which I named email, a term that I was the first to coin. On August 30, 1982, I was awarded the first U.S. copyright for the invention of this system, recognizing me as the inventor of email. At that time, copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I went on to MIT where I earned four degrees across multiple systems of engineering, electrical, mechanical, design, biological. That training led me to invent many other systems for advancing humankind. Echomail, the world's first intelligent email management system. Cytosol, a computational biology system for eliminating animal testing to discover new medicines faster, cheaper, and safer. And to the creation of a whole systems methodology for certifying clean food. These innovations led me back on a Fulbright to India where I discovered the missing link between Eastern medicine and Western systems theory honoring my grandmother to develop your body your system a powerful tool that will help you understand how your body is a system and how the inputs of food supplements and exercise bring your body back to its natural system state and systems health an integrative educational discipline that is now integrated into the VA Shiva platform that will enable you to learn the science of systems the science of everything be it your body as a system or our society and politics as a system to reveal the foundational interrelationships between truth, freedom, health. Now is the time for you to be the light, learn the science of systems, build community and weaponize yourself to unleash the activism necessary to deliver truth, freedom, health in your local community. Welcome to VA Shiva. All right, everyone. So I encourage everyone to go to vashiva.com. You should sign up for the course, which is called the Foundations of Systems, if you're serious about taking this approach that goes beyond left and right. And also for everyone, the book System and Revolution is absolutely free. All you have to do is um, essentially to sign up uh, to get it, and you just have to cover shipping and handling. So take advantage of that. And the other thing is, every Thursdays, 11 a.m. and 8 p.m., wherever you are in the world, you can join an orientation that we do on understanding the truth, freedom, and health movement. All of you are encouraged to join that. Please do so. You'll learn a lot. You'll meet some amazing people. Uh, we had close to uh, about 100 people on last night. Um, and so I hope you take advantage of these things because the knowledge that we share here, today we're going to talk about fish consumption and skin cancer, but we take a systems approach, and the idea is to inspire each of you to do that also. Okay, so let's go into this. All right. So what we're going to cover today is, first of all, we're going to look at the science that comes out, and we're going to look at the clinical study that was done that shows a correlation between people who consume fish and melanoma. And the paper specifically says, quote, fish intake and the risk of melanoma in NIH, AARP diet and health study. So this is um, a, a diet and health study that was done over a long piece of time, a period of time. The other piece I want to share with you here is, you know, the truth, if we really want to get into is we also need to, from a system standpoint, understand why, right? That's a causation. But the way the New York Times presented this study, they did it in a clickbaiting way to essentially force, in my view, because they know better, I would give, you know, if the New York Post did it or someone else, you'd give them 
or let's say the National Enquirer, um, they want to force a narrative that uh, without educating the readers, that it's sort of a done deal, uh, that the correlation established, but there's, uh, you know, it's, it's done and you don't really need to worry about the knowing the why. You see, because um, the difference between what we do here at VA Shiva and our movement and what the mainstream does is they just tell you this is what it is. We input this and we got this output and accept that as reality. Okay. And that's called an open system. When you take the course, you'll understand that an open system is they push forward an input and an output. In this case, even from the scientific perspective, they looked at people who had consumed fish and they looked at the output. But no one is going deeper into it, understanding the causation, because when you understand the causation, which requires a systems approach, then you build a larger frame of understanding to really appreciate the why. So in science, the way things work, just to um, you know, re reveal the scientific method, if you forgot it, just to review it um, quickly and briefly, is the following. In science, you make an observation. And then these observations, if you see them occurring over and over again, that leads to sort of what is taking place. So when Newton observed, you know, an apple falling, he observed a certain pattern, two masses, the apple and the earth uh, connected, and he came up with a correlation, a relationship, which was called the law of gravity, which is really a correlation. Force is equal to mass one times mass two times a gravitational factor divided by R squared. Okay, that sort of gives you a relationship very important, right? But in the depth of science, what we're really interested in is why. So Einstein comes along and he understands the, he pr uh, provides a theory for this, which is a framework. And he essentially uh, proposes the theory of relativity, which says that, um, that, and gives a, a framework for understanding gravity, which says that gravity and space are interconnected, right? So space is not sort of just a flat structure, it curves, right? And, uh, and gravitational forces have this effect on it to explain the phenomenon that Newton had seen, right? So one is the what, and the other is the why. So when we talk about observing something in science, you see, oh, I something happens here and something flutters here. That's really a correlation and you can define that relationship but if we're serious, we want to understand why. A couple of days ago, I did a big talk on gun violence, and we went through the correlation people had seen, but we wanted to actually understand the why, and we also talked about that, okay? So that's part of the training that I want to impart to all of you is that it's really important to go beyond the input-output, seeing a relationship, but to seeing the why, okay? So that's where we're going. And But the New York Times really didn't do that. And that gets down, if we really want to understand health, we want to get down to the mechanisms of action, okay? So we want to understand the mechanisms of action. That really gives us the why, okay? So let's jump into this, okay? So I'm going to now give you sort of the science here and, and, and sort of summarize the study. So the study just came out by Lee et al. And it came out uh, in the journal called Cancer Causes and Control. And here are the authors of the journal right here, Yufi Lee, Linda Lau, Rashmi Sinha, Tan Shang Sheng, Terrence Vance, uh, Abrar Qureshi, and Yan Yang Cho, okay? So the title is Fish Intake and Risk of Melanoma in the NIH AARP 
I think it's retired people, diet and health study. Okay. So what did this study do? Well, what the study did was in the abstract of most of these papers, they will try to give sort of what they're going for. And it says purpose prior epidemi epidemiological studies, Epidemiolo epidemiology, excuse me, is really looking at correlations, right? When you see epidemiology, it's typically input output, okay? It's not going to a systems analysis. Let me be clear. An epidemiological study or analysis is not a systems analysis. We at VA Shiva and all, all the work we do is to deepen your consciousness to understand the why. But regardless of that, Sometimes it's good to understand if you do this here, what occurs here, because then you can understand what's occurring inside that black box. So this, this says prior epidemiological studies, um, evaluating the association between, let me bring this up, uh, between the intake, between fish intake and melanoma risk have been few and inconsistent. Few studies distinguish different types of fish intake with the risk of melanoma. So what they claim is that's what their study really did. So they looked at nearly 40, 491,367 participants, and then they used statistics, and then we're gonna go through this, but what they concluded was, it said, we found that higher total fish intake, tuna intake, and non-fried fish intake, so let's look at the three groups, total fish intake, right? So they looked at these people uh, over a 15-year period. It says during um, this period, right, of all these people over a 15 year period, uh, they had 5,034 malignant melanomas and 3,284 cases of melanoma in situ, which, is, which means they hadn't spread yet, okay? So these were malignant, these are things that hadn't spread yet. And so again, just to be clear, it was 491,367 participants in this study. And if you looked at that number of participants over 15 years, um, they come up with an interesting number, 6,611,941 person years, okay? So it's, that's sort of the full scope. And, and they over that period, they had 5,034 cases of malignant melanoma, which means melanoma that's spreading, it's pretty bad, and 3,284 cases of melanoma in situ, okay? And what they found was a higher total fish intake, tuna intake and non-fried fish intake were positively associated with risk of both malignant melanoma and melanoma in situ. Again, melanoma in situ means it hasn't spread. Further studies are needed to investigate the potential biological mechanisms underlying these associations. So they actually point this out, but the New York Times really didn't point that out, okay? So I wanna, uh, uh, the researchers here, um, you know, brought that out. Um, but, and this is, this is the why, okay? So here we're looking at the details. Um, um, yes, Heather says something interesting. Yes. So Heather, again, is being very scientific or excellent observation, Heather. Heather's saying, Dr. Shiva, it is interesting that fried fish does not correlate. Initially, mercury comes to mind, but do you think this could be a parasite issue? We'll discuss that. So the study population here, again, was, 491,367 participants over 15 years, ages 50 to 71. You can see all different ethnicities, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Pacific Islander, American, Indian, Alaska Native. And the fish intake was fried and non-fried. And it varied between 3.2 grams 
uh, per day to 43 grams per day. So it's a pretty wide range. And so they had these different quintiles of people, quintiles one through quintile uh, five. These are different segments of people, okay? So then what I also wanted to point out is they had quintiles by fried and non-fried. So this group was those quintiles separated by the fried group, people who did fried fish intake, and the non-fried fish intake. And what you notice, the correlation, by the way, if you see a p-value of 0.001, that means highly correlated with relative to reference, and you see here, the fried fish intake group is not correlated, okay? Here, the multivariate analysis, and here, both in malignant melanoma, here, and here, this is the reference, okay? 0 0.36, 0 0.06, but here, if you notice in the non-fried fish group, it's 0 0.03 and 0 .003 and 0.001. The lower that p-value number is, which means it's highly correlated, okay? But the results of the study, uh, CI, confidence interval one, and indicates strong correlation. So what that means is any, and so all study groups Q1 to Q5 showed positive correlation between fish intake and cancer diagnosis. And correlation was observed in both observed for both sexes, all ages, and all ethnicities, okay? So very high correlation, total fish intake in all these different groups. Again, in the malignant melanoma and melanoma in situ, okay? So here's uh, getting into a little bit of the details. So what they found was, this is what's fascinating. They found that if you looked at those gr group of people who had tuna, okay, and and so if you look at a can of like Starkist tuna, that's about a five ounce can of tuna, okay? So they found out those people who took about 0.3 grams, which is 0.01 ounces, which is by the way, a 10th of a tablespoon, okay? And if you compared that to those people who had just a tablespoon, by the way, this is over that 15 year period, right? Just to be clear, we're looking over a longitudinal study. So over that 15.5 year period, I want to make sure I'm being clear, over that 15 year period, if someone had about one tablespoon of tuna, which is what that 14.2 grams, it's a half an ounce. If you think about a can of tuna is about five ounces. And if you take one tablespoon and you have a tablespoon spread out over 15 years, uh, which roughly comes to around 14.2 grams. And if that's a median average amount you consume, then you are gonna have an increase of 20% higher risk of malignant melanoma and 17% higher risk of stage zero, which is melanoma in situ, which means it hasn't spread, okay? So there's melanoma, it hasn't spread. Uh, malignant melanomas, it's spread, okay? So again, just to give you those numbers, this is tuna. So think about someone, I don't know how much is, let's say you have a tuna fish sandwich and you use a whole can, okay? And obviously maybe you have a, and that, that would be sort of, 10 of those units, right? Because, and let's say you had one can every 10 days for 50 years, uh, 15 years, um, you have a 20% higher risk of getting um, malignant melanoma and 17% higher risk of stage zero melanoma, okay? So that's the first takeaway. The second thing that was interesting was, again, this is again a correlation, was when they compared the 0.3 group, right, which is about a tenth of an, a teaspoon, a, a tablespoon. And they compared that to people who did 17.8 grams, which is a little more than a tablespoon of non-fried fish per day. This is non-fried fish. So this could be sushi. 
Um, this could be canned mackerel. Okay. This is any fish. Okay. Any kind of fish. If you were having about little more than a tablespoon a day, um, in this case, over 15 years, 18% higher risk of melanoma, pretty much close to that uh, tailly tuna, but a 25 higher risk of stage zero melanoma. All right. And what's fascinating is the researchers did not identify significant associations between consumption of fried fish and risk of malignant melanoma or stage zero. So isn't that fascinating? So this gets down to the causation piece. So people were assuming non-fried fish or tuna had a 17, you know, uh, to upwards of 25% risk of, of the melanoma, which wasn't spreading and melanoma, which was spreading. Okay. So that's one of the, but if you fried the stuff, there was really no risk. Now, what's interesting is um, I was mentioning this to a friend of mine in the Southern part of India in a place called Kerala, you know, they make amazing fresh fried fish, but they really fry it um, in coconut oil. Very, very tasty. Um, and it made me start thinking about did traditional cultures um, you know, in traditional cultures in India, for example, they don't eat raw fish. Um, you typically cook the fish really well, but you do fry it a lot. And does frying do something even though there may be mercury? And we'll talk about that. Okay. So again, this is where processes matter. All right. And by the way, those of you joining, um, the analysis we're doing is to really understand this research that was just completed. I think yesterday it was published looking at fish consumption and skin melanoma, they said there's a correlation, but we're sort of discussing the research, but we're also unraveling correlation versus causation, okay? Someone just said, I had fish and chips tonight. Okay, great. Okay, you're fine, fried fish. <laughs> um, all right, so let's go to the next part here. We wanna um, talk about, so this research, um, I'm sorry, this research that we just talked about was a causation-based research, right? Correlation, I'm sorry, correlation research, input, output, input, output. You see a correlation between the output, which is skin melanoma, and the input of consuming, in this case, tuna, non-fried fish, but you don't see a relation between when you fry the fish and an output, okay? But our approach at VA Shiva, everything we do is to educate you on a systems approach. Several, um, I think about a month ago, I did a, shared all with you a study that we had done that went beyond correlation, but, but took a systems approach to understand uh, causation, okay? And this was from correlation to causation. Um, we shared with you work that we did in an NIH funded project with the City of Hope where they had found, again, this correlation between people who drank green tea, people who drank green tea was highly correlated with when they got a transplant, let's say they got a lung, lung transplant, heart transplant, whatever it was, they had a much greater chance of the transplant not being rejected. That means green tea consumption. So if you got a transplant, you had a higher chance that your transplant would take, it would not be rejected if you're drinking green tea. Again, you understand this is a causation. I mean, a correlation, sorry, correlation. We were interested in finding out why. 
In order to do that, you need to take a systems approach. And a systems approach cannot be done by just doing input-output, right? Which is what modern science really works at. System science allows us to do that. And in order to do that, we used, and by the way, we published our research, which I'll share with you very briefly. You can go see the green tea video, but I just wanna sh uh, share with you the difference. Um, we published in the Clinical uh, Nutrition Journal, one of the leading journals for clinical nutrition. But in order to do this, we used Cytosolve, which is a systems approach to understanding this. And as many of you know, the systems approach that we do, um, in fact, what I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna play you a video that will uh, teach you what Cytosolve is, and I'll come right back, because the video sort of um, shares with you all of it. Let me just play Cytosolve here. Who would have ever thought someone like me would invent email and create Cytosolve to revolutionize health for personalized and precision medicine, a system for delivering the right medicine for the right person at the right time? I was born a low-caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression, and racism. As a child, I observed my grandmother, a poor village farmer, practice Siddha, India's oldest system of medicine, to heal local villagers by observing their face, to know their unique constitution, to deliver a unique combination of foods, healing herbs and massage. The caste system and her abilities to heal inspired me to understand the interconnectedness of all life. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, technologist, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. As a 14-year-old, I began working as a full-time research fellow at Rutgers Medical School to unravel the mysteries of sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS, and created the world's first email system long before I ever heard of MIT. As I traverse academia over the next three decades, I observe self-serving academics, never solving real problems, writing grant after grant, competing for tenure while diminishing real science and real scientists, pushing a reductionist science to destroy the scientific method. Like the blind men who never saw the whole elephant, but the parts, they delivered a dismembered view of reality. I observe Big Pharma use such reductionism, wasting billions year after year to fund research in test tubes, killing animals, and using the poor as guinea pigs for clinical testing to create products that even the FDA no longer allowed. Not only Big Pharma practice this reductionism, but also the elites of Big Vitamin, Big Green, and Big New Age, with gurus and yogis, empowered by Hollywood celebrities, selling one supplement after another based on a cherry-picked science. All that changed in 2003, when the Human Genome Project ended, revealing that humans have the same number of genes, about 20,000 as that of a worm, giving rise to a systems biology. We realized that one-size-fits-all medicine was a failure. We realized their medicines were killing us, making today's generation's lifespan shorter than any previous generation. Obesity, heart disease, deaths from adverse reaction to drugs, confusion on what diet, what supplements, and who to believe is what they have delivered you. They push natural and organic products for your beauty and wellness, while their real solution is their plastic surgeons and Botox. We've been sold out. It's time for real science, a system science that interconnects the parts to discover truth, to know what really works, to get the health we need and deserve. This is why I created Cytosolve. Cytosolve is about truth, freedom, and health versus power, profit, and control. Cytosolve is a revolutionary technology integrating bioinformatics, computational biology, mathematical modeling, decentralization to reveal the truth. Cytosolve computes trillions of potential combinations of biomolecular interactions to discover what actually works based on the actual science. No reductionism, no cherry picking. Cytosolve's predictive modeling has been proven accurate time and time again, matching laboratory results. Cytosolve discovers synergistic combinations 
combinations of compounds to maximize health and reduce toxicity. For example, we know curcumin from turmeric and resveratrol from red grapes alleviate inflammation. But how much should we combine? Current methods are hand-waving at best. Here, with Cytosol, we first model the control condition with no curcumin and no resveratrol to simulate high inflammation with the cytokine level at 0.15 micromolar. Next, we add just 5 micromolars of curcumin. The inflammation drops to 0.05. Next, we use 5 micromolars of resveratrol and the inflammation drops from 0.15 to 0.06. But when we combine curcumin and resveratrol of 3 micromolars of curcumin and 2 micromolars of resveratrol, inflammation drops from 0.15 to 0.03. Far lower, nearly 200% less than just one compound alone. That's the synergy principle of system science. We've all had enough of their fake and reductionist science. They think we'll simply keep buying their marketing, their celebrities and their products that can never truly heal us. We don't need them. Great things come when we integrate the best of things. It's our time. It's time we've delivered solutions for ourselves. It's time for truth, freedom and health. It's time for Cytosol. Welcome. So by the way, those of you guys, if you go to vashiva.com and you scroll down on the front of the page, you'll find out that we've launched the Cytosol Open Science Institute, which um, it was really designed uh, for all of you to participate. This research that we're doing that I'm going to share with you, what we do here was done by the Open Science Institute. You can go to that link, you can click and you can be part of supporting research. And for example, if you want to support cardiovascular research, research you can contribute. And when you do contribute, I never like to take anything for nothing. You contribute money. I, we also give you back a scholarship to take the Truth, Freedom and Health course. So go look at that or bhiva.com slash join. Now, in the research that we did with Cytosol, again, this is an example of not a correlation study, but it was going from correlation to causation. So as I mentioned in this study, people have found green tea Consuming green tea lowered transplant rejection. Pretty cool. So what we did with Cytosol, which was published in this paper, was we actually understood how that occurred. So um, notice it says bioactive compounds in green tea may improve transplant tolerance. A computational systems biology analysis. Notice what we're saying here. It's not an epidemiological analysis, but a systems biology analysis. So what we did here was we literally understood the composition of green tea, the caffeine, the minerals, the amino acids, the polyphenols. And by the way, I'm not going to go through this in detail for the interest of time, but there's an entire video I did on green tea and uh, our research earlier. So please uh, go check that out. But what we did here was uh, we understood all the compounds in green tea, the molecules, and then we understood the molecular mechanisms, the actual causes. We went through all the research and we piece together causation, right? How individual molecules react and how the components of green tea, EGCG, which is one of them, or epicatechin, these are molecules in green tea, how they actually affect the causation affecting other systems which promote transplant tolerance, okay? And we identified those anti-inflammatory mechanisms and how it works, why it works, okay? And then we did the same to find out how other compounds in green tea, EGCG, epicatechin, and gallic acid actually lower, okay, transplant rejection, okay? Essentially downregulate pro-inflammatory mechanisms. So this was very powerful that we were able to identify the actual compounds, 
identifying the mechanisms. And this is what I mean by the why. So we find out how green tea promotes transplant tolerance and it inhibits transplant uh, rejection through these pro through down-regulating pro-inflammatory mechanisms and up-regulating anti-inflammatory mechanisms. So I wanted to give you that as a data point to understand how you can use system science to understand causes. And so whenever you hear on the news, oh, uh, because if you don't have causation, you can be really bamboozled into a narrative. Oh, I, you know, I did something here and over this, this happened, right? And we see that in every major topic. And this is why the world, or the United States in particular, split into left and right, pro and anti, because the news media and essentially academics who can be paid, because they're now practicing the oldest profession in the world, and you, you can think about what that is, you can essentially just use correlation to manipulate people. But if you go down to understand causation, which is a much harder thing to do, you'll understand, well, that may be true, maybe it's not true. And that's what's also true with this example here with the, um, with the uh, example that we just went through, uh, uh, we're, we're gonna go through with the uh, uh, fish and the melanoma, okay? So that's what I wanted to uh, talk about. And one of the powerful things is when you really understand causation and what we've done with Cytosolve is we've created a whole technology to understand causes, okay? When you understand causation, you can really go solve some very powerful problems. And I'll come back to this because I wanna um, share with you that using Cytosolve, for example, we actually understood the, the mechanisms of inflammation and pain in the body and we went through all different natural compounds and we discovered a set of compounds that do that. And I'll come back and share that with you shortly. Um, but what's happening in science is that you can easily have this sort of what I call attack on freedom because you can have what I call the clickbaiting. And this is sort of the clickbaiting that the New York Times did. Can, 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 can your diet really affect your skin cancer risk? Now, the New York Times really shouldn't do this because if some other newspaper do it, they'd say, oh, that's clickbaiting. But if the New York Times does it, and you know, they're very clever when they ask it as a risk. But the interesting thing is that there really goes to push a narrative in a very subtle way to assume the discussion is over, okay? That, you know, uh, this longitudinal study has shown it. But the reality is we want to understand the causation. So just like the green tea example, if you wanna really get to the heart of health, we need to know what are the potential mechanisms, okay? Mechanisms of action. You may wanna write that down. In biology, we call that MOA, mechanisms of action. That is very, very different than correlation. Correlation is input-output, but understanding mechanisms of action is saying, okay, I did this input. What were all the pathways that it went through to get this output? And that's a, that's a much deeper complexity. You have to understand all the connections and that's called the mechanisms of action, okay? So what were those mechanisms of action? Well, we haven't done the research, but just like when Einstein looked at Newton's sort of discovery or his repeated observations of the relationship between force and you know, um, mass one and mass two force and gravity, he was trying to explain the why, the causes, and that led to the theory of relativity. So in any aspect of science, one is you can understand the what, but we understand the why. And the why requires you put forward some ideas, new theories, okay? With cytosol, we can actually go understand it, but 
what are the potential mechanisms of action here that fish intake causes cancer? Well, here's some ideas, okay? And some of you have put this out there. Uh, Someone says here, you know, there's radiation in fish from Alaska, okay? Someone just put that there, okay? Uh, Someone else put, is it pollutants, okay? So there could be various things, all right? And that's what we do because if we're wanting to understand the why, we want to do that. So here are some of the potentials of the why could be, right? Maybe there's the mercury is ubiquitous now in the biosphere, including oceans. Uh, is there an association between higher mercury levels and skin cancer, right? That's already been established. So there's been a number of papers written that shows that higher mercury levels and skin cancer are correlated, okay? They don't know the mechanisms, but that's been established. So if you eat a lot of fish, is it the mercury? And the mercury consumption in the U.S. is mostly from fish, okay? Mostly from fish. And by the way, this was done in the United States, uh, the study. Hence, there's a potential link between fish intake and skin cancer, right? So again, what we're proposing here is a potential causation, right? We're uh, proposing a causation here, right? So this is the why we're proposing. Another thing that we were thinking about is the processing of fish. Um, how was the fish processed? Raw? Because what this research said, it was all non-fried stuff, okay? So non-fried, the canned, the boiled, and the raw, right? It appears that these kinds of processing was a high correlation, just like tuna, to the skin cancer, all right? So is that, and what does, so the, the mechanisms action, or what happens when you fry something and you don't fry something? So is it possible that you have fish with a lot of mercury and maybe when you fry the hell out of it, it's doing something in an interesting way that's protecting the mercury, if if in fact is a mercury, from affecting you? Um, Or is it parasites? You know, is it sushi, right? So these are some very, very interesting questions. And that's why, um, you know, many years ago, research came out that said, oh, if you eat eggs, you're going to get heart disease. And for 20, 30 years, people stopped eating eggs. And again, it was one of these correlation studies. When in fact, it turns out, you know, if you soft boil an egg, don't overcook the hell out of it, but soft boil it and leave the yolk intact, there's lecithin in there, some very good nutrients, which help. Um, You need a certain amount of good cholesterol, but actually helps break down certain um, uh, of the bad cholesterol, right? So... Once you understand mechanisms, you can say, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean that everyone should stop eating eggs, right? Or everyone should stop consuming fish. And a lot of people stopped eating eggs. And if you really think about it, I mean, we can do a whole series on this. There's a huge correlation between, you know, consuming one or two eggs and the reduction in stroke, the reduction in heart disease, okay? The reduction in cholesterol. Because mechanistically, there's constitutive materials that actually help that, okay? So we have to be very careful when we just look at these correlation studies. That's really the point that I wanted to make here. Um, Now, in summary, if you look at this, going back to the mercury piece here, now there could be potential contaminants, right? There's also someone put up there, right? There could be other things, PCBs, polychlorinated biphenyls, right? There's a plastics, right? The dioxins, the arsenic, right? These things are also in fish, and they've also been um, 
uh, correlated with um, cancer, okay? So there could be these other things. So in summary, what we want to really take away is that this study found that fish consumption is positively correlated with skin cancer. Consumption of fishes like tuna and non-fried fish increase non-fried fish. It had to be non-fried, increase the risk of malignant and skin zero, skin uh, which is malignant and stage zero, which is that means this cancer hasn't spread those kinds of cancer. On the other hand, consumption of fried fish was not positively correlated. And the study did not show any causation between fish consumption and skin cancer risk. That means they didn't show causation, they showed correlation. And, and the potential causes may include many things, mercury, PCBs, dioxin, arsenic, et cetera. So this is now a virgin area of research that people could, um, could explore. Um, before I um, close and I share with you a couple of other things, I wanna let everyone know that I alluded to this before, but when you understand causation, you can actually create products that work. You can identify why, and you can create healthy products. So what we did was we actually used Cytosol, this causative approach, to actually discover a product where we, uh, by the way, Cytosol has been used for 16 years by many, many companies, but we looked at the mechanisms of pain and inflammation, and we were able to discover a set of ingredients, which actually, we're talking about negative things which could cause cancer, but there are materials that you can take that actually will do beneficial things. And, and let me just share with you the MV25 video and they'll come back and we'll wrap up. Millions of people suffer every day from painful discomfort and swelling, but most pain medications come with harsh side effects and many alternative supplements have little scientific backing. That's why we at Cytosolve created MV25. MV25 was formulated using the Cytosolve Computational Systems Biology Platform, a technology for precision and personalized health invented by Dr. Shiva during his doctoral research at MIT. This formulation is the result of computing trillions of potential combinations of biomolecular interactions derived from thousands of peer-reviewed scientific papers published across four decades by 68 research institutions to discover an optimal synergy of compounds that downregulate biomarkers of discomfort and normal swelling. Hi, I'm Barbara Ann. My hands would cramp up so that I couldn't hold cards or knit or crochet. And they would go like that. Not have to use this when I played cards with my grandkids. And I'd start taking that MV25. After a bit, I was able to hold cards in my hand. Very, very little cramping, hardly at all anymore. MV25. Hi, my name is Sandy. I'm a Taekwondo instructor. I tore my ACL during Taekwondo. I had a lot of pain and limited mobility. I've been taking the MV25 for about six months now. After the first week, I noticed a big difference. After the second week, almost literally no pain. My name is Jeremy and I suffer from a lower back problem. Hurt my back at work years ago and I can go to the chiropractor, do all kinds of different things and nothing seems to help. And I decided 
decided to try MV25. I didn't notice a difference immediately, but within a few days, the pain went away and it stayed away. I've continued to take it, and even when I do things that I shouldn't do, it seems to go away a lot quicker than it ever did before. MV25 is certified clean, 100% non-GMO, made in America, and GMP certified for good manufacturing practices. MV25 is Cytosolve optimized which means that this formula has been engineered to maximize benefits while minimizing toxicity based on current research curated by Cytosolve. As the science advances, so will this formulation. This is our promise. Order online at mv25.life. Consult your doctor before taking any supplement or medication and use as directed. MV25. All right, everyone, in closing, I hope this is valuable. We took a topic about a correlation study that just came out on fish consumption and skin cancer. We shared with you the details of that study, but most importantly, we hopefully emphasized to everyone the importance for taking a systems approach, which really brings uh, the causation. Systems science answers the why, and it shows interrelationships. And when we wanna look at the world around us, um, this simple diagram that I have right here gives you the why, right? If we want health, we have to really pursue freedom and truth. If we want truth, we need to pursue freedom and health. If we want freedom, we need truth and health. And why do I say that? Because one of the things we teach, and when you take the course, we put up the vashiva.com, when you take, when you become a truth, freedom and health, we call it a truth, freedom and health warrior. Uh, and you can do that at vashiva.com, is that the idea is to raise your consciousness consciousness to recognize that you can take a systems approach to everything around us. So we took a systems approach to understand this relationship. You can look, take a systems approach to understand the world around you. And freedom, the ability to move information, matter, and energy is essential, which is what transport is, the phenomenon of information, matter, and energy moving freely. Freedom on social media to talk, freedom over the wires. When you can have that or freedom without being canceled, then we can really have science. Um, we can get down into the causative features, really practice a scientific method, we get to truth. And both those things are essential to under understand what's right for the health of our body. Because if you just do causation, you may miss this deeper, I mean, just do correlation, you may go 20 years, oh, I'm not gonna eat that thing, or I'm, I'm gonna not eat salt, I'm not gonna eat this. And that's what the entire field of academic medicine has been, it's been causation based, it's not been systems based. So the health of people have been affected. If you're not healthy, physically, mentally, emotionally, you can't really fight for freedom and pursue truth. So that's why um, I, I thought this was a uh, double whammy. You understand this research, but you can also uh, go a little bit more detailed and understand um, what's going on in terms of uh, the difference between causation and correlation. So uh, if you wanna learn more, I encourage you all to go to vashiva.com slash join. I want to really inspire all of you to become system scientists, get the book, uh, System and Revolution, and come to the orientation. Go to vashiva.com slash orientation. I'm there every Thursdays twice, and we can have a conversation. All right, everyone, thank you very much, um, and be well, be the light, and I wish you all a good weekend, and I'll probably do some videos over the weekend. If you want me to do anything in particular, uh, please let me know. Have a good evening. Be well.
Christ.